Well, as we continue to preach our way through John, we come to this great prayer. I mean, this has been called the Holy of Holies of prayer. The prayer that we just prayed together was Jesus' model prayer. That is, it was a prayer for us to pray. In there, there is confession, there is petition. But this prayer that we're about to um, um, uh, look at is really the ultimate of prayers. Now, you saw from the video, those of you who saw the video, what a spectrum there is when it comes to prayer and people's understanding of prayer. Um, from all the way from people who just don't pray because they, they just don't think it, it it's works or they don't believe in God, to people who just pray every day about, all, about everything. So there's this huge spectrum. So we, probably what we need is just some touch stone, some core understanding of prayer. And that's what we'll get in this chapter of John. Now, remember where we are. Remember the scriptural context. Chapter 14, Jesus says, Let's, let us arise from here and go hence. And they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where ultimately he, he's, he's crucified after that and then says goodbye. So all the way along, they're kind of, he's kind of saying goodbye to them. And you remember in the, in the 15th chapter uh, where he talks about they're passing through the vineyards and he probably just picks up a vine and says, and, and, and how important it is when we are about to say goodbye, it's, it's, it's almost universal human habit that, that, that we say to each other, let's keep in touch. And that's exactly what Jesus does with the vine and the branches. He picks up the vine. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me. In other words, let's keep in touch. And then they go on a little bit. They're getting closer to the garden of Gethsemane. And in chapter 16, you know, it's almost another universal human habit. That is, we're about to say goodbye to one another. We want to reassure each other that this won't be the last time we see each other. And Jesus does exactly that when he looks at his disciples and he says, you know, in a little while, we aren't going to see each other again. You, won't go, you aren't going to see me. But then in a little while, you will see me. You will see me again. And that's exactly what um, um, they need to hear. Now, in verse 17, he's almost there, and he begins this wonderful prayer that really has three parts. And we're going to preach it in three parts. First part I'm going to preach to you today, and it's just between Jesus and his Father. And it is, it's honestly so intimate that, we, that you feel like you're kind of eavesdropping. You know, it's almost like, I wonder if I should even be listening to this. The second part, Orlando's going to teach you next week, and that is Jesus' prayer with his disciples about his disciples. Now, the third part, I'm going to preach to you when I come back. I'm, going to, I'm not going to be preaching for a few weeks because I've got to take a sabbatical and work on this book on the distributed church so that we kind of all know what we're doing together. And, uh, and so pray for me during that time. It's a real struggle for me not to preach. Um, and so just pray for me. If you, if you miss me and you want to see me, uh, watch me on TV. Uh, the details on the back of your bullets in there. But, uh, but um, when I come back, I insisted on, on, on preaching on this particular passage because it's where I live now. I really believe that God in these days is going gonna, is gonna to go toward reconnecting his church. And that's what, that's what uh, uh, the last part of this prayer is all about. Lord, make thy church one, even as thou and I are one. So it's really cool. Okay, now... Let's, let's, uh, let's go to the first verse. I've only got five verses to preach on today. Can you believe that? I'm used to preaching like a whole chapter. 
Boy, we can just meander all we want here. The first, first four words are these. These things Jesus spoke. Now let me, let me tell you why it's so important that we speak prayers even though we're not exactly sure what to pray for. Um, that last part really doesn't matter because God uses our speech as a catalyst to perform what he will perform. I want you to remember how the, how the universe was created. You can call it the Big Bang, whatever you want to call it. The universe was created because God spoke. It says that, that, that it was, there was darkness over the face of the deep. You know, it was, the earth was formless and void, and there was darkness over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then you go, and God said, and that there was, and God said, boom, there it came again. The universe was created by God speaking. When Jesus spoke, these, these things he said, when, these things Jesus spoke, when he spoke, there was a difference in reality. There was something that had happened, something that was, that was, that was deposited that was not there before. Now watch this. If Jesus Christ is living in you, and if the Holy Spirit is, is prompting you to speak, something is going to come that hasn't come before. Now, please don't get goofy, self-centered theology and say something like, God can't do anything unless I tell him to do it. Don't go there. That is the most immature, self-centered, little babbling. Don't do that. I've heard people say that. Do you think God's really limited to us or our thoughts? Oh, my goodness. He would never do that. But somehow, the almighty, sovereign, everlasting God has condescended to use what he has prompted in our hearts to do that beyond which we could ever ask or think, the Bible says. Let me give you an example of that. I got an email the other day from somebody who had been talking with Mike Vance. Some of you remember Mike Vance. Mike Vance is the alcoholic drug addict that wandered into Christmas Eve services about 10 years ago, and God just landed right on him. And he came to Christ, and, uh, and God just turned his life around, and now he's a missionary in Namibia, Africa. And so Mike's going out. He's going down to the hinterlands with this team. Um, and and uh, they had come to this spot. He's telling this to this girl who's, who's emailing this out. Come to this spot, and they were just kind of stuck. Because somehow, I don't know how this happens, but they got in debt. I don't know, I don't know what, what that's all about. Um, but it was like $10,000, which is like mm, 2000 American dollars. So they were, just, they were just asking God if they should even go on, you know, because that doesn't glorify God. And, and, uh, and, and so um, they, just, they just were out there praying. And, and, but they, they felt a distinct leading to step out in faith and go on. Now, now the, what, the girl who is emailing us uh, is, is telling this story, and she's saying, you know, I'm thinking, okay, any minute he's going to say how God gave him the money because God does that every once in a while. Just, you know, you have this need. He just shows up and plunks you the money. And that's what you're used to hearing on those stories. He didn't tell. He didn't say that. Or, or I thought he was, gonna, he was going to, to tell us how they stepped out in faith and they went to this place and a thousand kids got saved and it was just unbelievable. Didn't say that. He said what happened was this. When they felt, when they felt the distinct prompting of God to go ahead anyhow, they went down, tried to start the truck. Truck wouldn't start. It's, 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 it's winter in Namibia, and it can get as low as 20 degrees or something. I don't know. But, um, but it was a diesel uh, uh, engine, and I don't know what that means, but it just wouldn't start very good. So 
So they spent like 45 minutes trying to start the truck. And, and you know, they were kind of a little fussing with God a little bit, probably about that. You know, what's up with this? You know, you told us to go on and now this truck won't start. And what's, what's that all about? So they, they got in the truck. Now they're driving along this deserted highway. I mean, there's nobody out there, but these two cars pass them. They come around the bend some 15 minutes later, and one of the cars has wrecked, turned over, is laying upside down, is in, is on fire. Is on fire. In the car are two elderly people trapped. They get out, get these people out, and they said, not one car passed that way for the next two hours. They certainly would have died. Now listen to this. They know enough about God to know that was the answer to the prayer. One about money, one about this big successful mission. And the delay for 45 minutes was exactly right. That's exactly the timing this couple needed to survive. Do you understand when we pray? God's answers are not always according to our words or even what we're thinking at the time. But the prayer is very important so that God will do what God wants to do. I love what Fenelon said when he said, thy servant doesn't even know what to pray. But Lord, you pray in me. I love that. And so Jesus spoke and something happened. When you speak, something happens, even when you don't know what to say. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, and I want to remind you, that's the center of the universe. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Now, I, t I talked last week about a woman's hour coming. You know, I, I, did, I remember I did a little baby thing. Little, I probably got out of hand a little bit, but that's the way it is sometimes. I don't want you to get the impression that Jesus is, is kind of whimpering here. Father... <laughs> you know, he had a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, kind of taken back. But I want you to know that he feels the same way a nine month or 10 month pregnant woman feels. Let's get this over with. You know, I'm ready. I can hardly breathe. It's so ready. I'm so curious. I just want father. The hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify. Look what it says. It says Glorify thy son, that the son may glorify thee. Now this is, a, this is a, a, the first in a number of passages where he is so interwoven with the father. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. But I want to tell you that the, that the word glorify here and in all of the Bible means simply this. It means make your divine presence Manifest. Make it evident. Show yourself. You know, when you don't know what to pray, a, a brief prayer, but an always accurate and ultimate prayer is, Father, I don't know what to pray, but glorify yourself. Glorify yourself in me. Somehow, in my life, make yourself known. That's a wonderful prayer. Now, you got to understand, that sometimes that prayer is going to lead to pain. The next step is pain. Jesus understood that. He knew what he was about to go into. But you also have to understand that what is, what is pain in the world is many times beauty in heaven. Can you imagine 
that the ugliest moment on earth, a man getting whipped and, and getting crucified and suffocating to death, absolutely ugliest moment on earth was the most beautiful moment heaven ever saw. And in retrospect, the most beautiful moment we ever saw. I don't know how many of you remember last fall, there was a commercial on TV that at first you just don't get it. There, there were no words in this commercial. There was just images with a song behind it. It was a Nike commercial. And it showed several athletes in their, in their uglier uh, features. That is, that is with their scars. There was a, there was a cowboy uh, with his, uh, I think a bull rider, with, his, uh, with a big scar. And there was something wrong with his eye. He was, he was blinded in this eye. There was an, a runner with just gargantuan uh, um, calluses on, on his foot. Um, there was a surfer with a shark bite. Um, I think there was a, uh, what else was there? There's one more thing. Um, can't remember. Oh, a wrestler with cauliflower ear, big swollen ear. And, and, and the curious thing about it was that the background music was... You are so beautiful, so beautiful to me. Remember that commercial? Now, you look at that, and the first thing you think is, what's that all about? But if you think about it just a moment, you will see that the beauty is that there was something in these people's lives that they cared about more than their own physical safety. There was a mission in their life that was more important than their own comfort or their own ease. And that was why the scars that they had were really beauty marks. Jesus was about to go into the most painful, most beautiful time of his life. And his scars would become eternal beauty marks. I know some of you right now are going through some very difficult times. But I know that you're doing it because there's something that means more to you than your own comfort and your own, de your own ease. I want to tell you what you're going through may look ugly and useless to the world, but it's a beauty mark to God. It's a beauty mark to God. So, so Jesus is about to go there. Now read on with me. The prayer continues. Even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, it means himself. Even as thou hast given me authority over all mankind. By the way, another uh, really um, uh, bad theology. Just, I, I hear this over and over again. Can't wait till Jesus comes back and takes control again. Uh, Jesus never lost control. Jesus isn't out of control now. Now there will come a day, I believe, that Jesus will come back and visibly we'll see him reign over the earth. But Jesus is reigning over the earth right now. It says, even as thou gavest him authority over all the earth, what you are going through right now is subjected to the sovereignty of God. It's by the allowance of God and it's for the purpose of God. Jesus is in control. You've got to believe that. It says, even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that to all whom thou hast given him, there's a portion of mankind that comes to Christ, but not by themselves. None of us came to Christ by ourselves. We weren't that smart. We weren't that good. 
We came to Christ because God, out of his grace, led us to Christ. God gave us to Christ. He says, he says to all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. Now, I want you to look at this next verse very closely because we've been talking about eternity for all the first part of this year. We're going to talk about eternity for all the last part of this year. And this is the biblical definition of eternity in one verse. You ready for this? Mark this in your Bible. And this is eternal life. Stop right there. Before we even get there, stop right there. He does not say this is a prerequisite for eternal life. This is what you got to do to get eternal life. This is, this is a stepping stone that is necessary so that one day you may experience eternal life. No, he says, this is eternal life. This is the whole kit and caboodle right here. Ready? Okay. Next word's very important. That they may know thee. It's that simple. That they may know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 1 John 5, 12 sums it up like this. He who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Eternal life is not a place that we're going to go to someday. It's not a realm that we're trying to get to. And if we just know the right thing to say or the right one to, to, to get past or just the right words or do the right things or believe the right theology, then someday we can get there. No. Eternal life is a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. That's all it is. This is eternal life, that they may know thee. Now, the word know here in Greek is Present tense, act, uh, active and subjunctive, subjunctive mood. And what's that, what that means is, anytime you see present tense in Greek, it calls for continuous and repeated action. Active tense means we take whatever initiative we can to establish that knowing. Knowing in the Bible, as you know, is not an intellectual concept. Truth is not a concept, it's a person. Knowing in the Bible is an intimate relationship. Adam knew Eve and they begat Cain. They're not talking about intellectual conversation there. They're talking about a very intimate relationship. Knowing him, knowing God means having an intimate relationship with him. Now, what does that take? That takes continual, continual effort on our part. Continual developing of a relationship. It doesn't come in an instant. The relationship comes in an instant. When you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I know I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I can't earn it. I can never deserve it. But I know you died for me and I want to accept the gift of salvation. I want to accept that your, your payment for my sins. Lord, come into my heart and live in my life. I want your life, not mine. What that means is that establishes that relationship. But it doesn't establish the intimacy. Those are two different things. Some people pray that prayer and they don't understand and they think, well, they think, okay, that's, that's good. Now, now I'll get to heaven. Now I'm going to go live my life. Now you've missed the point here. Some, some people say, I, I prayed that prayer for half a dozen times. It never worked. <laughs> no, you missed the point too. Some, some girl came up to me in the gym the other day. And uh, I hang around, I, I just, I like to go to a gym every day. And, and, uh, and eventually you just, you see Northland people because we're all over the place. So some girl came up to me and I just, 
had run a long way. And uh, she said, can I ask you a question? I go, yeah. <laughs> she kind of felt sorry for me, so she asked it real slow. She said, she said you know, I prayed that prayer. Uh, I, 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 so I was a TV preacher the other night, and I just I felt moved to pray that prayer, that God would come into my life. But she said nothing changed. She said, did it, did it, did it just not work? Did I, didn't I pray it right? Um, um, is it not my turn? Uh, what's the deal there? And I said, no, 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 no. I said, did you mean it when you prayed it? She said, oh, yeah. I said, then you're saved. But being saved is like being married. The day you stand up and you say, I do, you are a wife. You may not feel like a wife. You may not feel married. There are going to, there are going to be days when you don't feel in love. But you are a wife. It's established. Your job from there is to become a wife for the rest of your life. The day you say, God, come into my heart, you're a child of God. And your job for the rest of your life is to become a child of God, is to have that eternal life, that eternal relationship. You see, what we saw on the video is, is all a part of our stumbling toward a relationship. Even, even asking God for stuff. I mean, that's, what, that's usually what we use prayer for. And we use prayer like some sort of, a, like God's some sort of cosmic vending machine, you know? If we, if we just put the right stuff in, maybe it'll give, give us the right stuff back. Um, but, but, but that's only the most immature form of prayer. And that's not, not a bad thing, because every form of prayer is at least a step in the right direction. Um, but, but there are some people who just will always think that prayer is about results. I mean, you heard, you know, I pray because it works. You know, well, that, it does work, but that's not the point, is it? I pray because I, I, I need to feel this or I need to get that or I'm, you know, I, well, I want that, 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 that's all true. But, but that's not exactly the point. I, somebody sent me this week uh, a list of children's prayers that they had overheard and, uh, and, and they kind of, these children put them in dear God form. And the reason that I was so amused by them is because I hear the adult, I hear adults pray the exact same type of prayer. You know, the, the kids, for one, one was uh, um, a, 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 uh, uh, that he thought God had missed what he had said in his prayer and had said him something else. Said him something else. He said, Dear God, thanks for my little brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> he, he thought, you know, God, you didn't hear me right. I, just, I was very specific about this. You sent me a little brother, you know? Uh, I hear adults say, you do that all the time. You know what I was praying for with this? I, I haven't got this. I got this. Uh, there must be some mistake. My order must have gotten mixed up. Um, um, there, there, are, there are people who pray to advise God. I hear a lot of adult prayers like this. They're just little shots at God, you know? Like, if I were God, I would have done it better. Um, there, was this, there was this kid that wrote and said, God, if you had uh, said, Cain and Abel probably wouldn't have fought so much if you'd have given them their own rooms. There's <laughs> like this little advice for God, you know? I hear adults pray like that. God, if you, have you ever thought of this? Maybe you could fix the world like this. I know, I know you're having trouble thinking. Let me help you out. Kind of like emails to God. I hear adults I like that all the time. I hear, I, hear, I hear adults miss the fact completely that it's just about the relationship. I heard, I did hear, I read, read her. I love this story. I, I can't resist telling you this. I heard this really cute story. Old guy, old, old guy laying in a hospital bed, sick on a dog. And, and he kind of wakes up, you know, kind of groggy. And he senses the presence of his wife, married 55 years. And he says, Ethel, is that you by my side? And Ethel said, yes, dear. And he's quiet for a minute. He says, 
Bethel. He says, you remember 20 years ago when I was in Veterans Hospital? About fixing to die. He said, I was so bad. I was so sick. You were right there by my side right then, weren't you, Ethel? She said, yes, dear. He's quiet for a minute. He says, and Ethel, he says, in 20, 20 years before that, he says, you remember that big fire we had burned up everything we had. We didn't have anything left. You were right there with me then too, weren't you, Ethel? Yes, dear. He says, and Ethel, he says, you remember when we first got married, we were so poor, we couldn't afford anything. You were right by my side, weren't you, Ethel? She said, yes, dear. He's silent a minute. He said, you know, Ethel, I just thought of something. You're bad luck. <laughs> Well, you know, some people just never get it. It's all about results, not about relationship. No, it's about relationship. That's the deal. That's what prayer's for. It's for relationship. It's for the exchange of eternal life. It's for that intermingling of our life with God. That's what Jesus is doing. He's doing it on a different plane because Jesus is God. And that's what we read in these other verses. It says in verse um, four and five, I glorified thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. Now, this is very simple. You will never hear a more simple definition of our purpose down here on earth as exemplified by Jesus Christ. If eternal life is knowing God, what is the work we are to do here on earth? Making God known. It's that simple. And so Jesus said, I accomplished that. And by the way, that is not a, a, a matter of longevity. Jesus had, had, had basically 33 years, three years in the ministry per se. I hear many people say, boy, what could have been if Jesus, if God just kept him down here a little bit longer? If he'd have lived till 80, think of how many people he could have healed. Think of how, think of how much good he could have done. No. Jesus lived just the right amount of time. Some of you need to hear today that those people who you thought were killed prematurely weren't killed prematurely. They had their effect here. You, don't, you, can, you can be a baby, live two months and have a profound impact. Bring many people to a recognition of God's goodness and his giftedness. I mean, it, it's not a matter of length. It's not a matter of quality of life. It's a matter of, did your life bring people closer to God? And there are many, many people who have lived very, very short lives that their life had a huge impact in making God known. Jesus said, I've accomplished the work you've given me to do. And then he said this, and now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus knew that he had a mission that had begun before the world had begun. And upon his leaving the world, 
he would be fulfilled in that original role. Even as he kept in the role of that mission when he was down here, he knew now he would be restored to divinity. He would be restored to that which he always was in essence. Now that doesn't exactly fit us, but there are parts that do fit us. Do you realize that along with your salvation, that is a gift. It says in, second, it's in, in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are saved by grace. That's unmerited favor. Through faith. And that not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation is a matter of acceptance, what God has offered us in Jesus Christ. But look at the next verse. When it says we are created, we are partakers in his workmanship. Let me look it up. I've just lost it. I hate it when my mind just goes. I have these things. I've, I've quoted these things five million times. And I'm so stinking old, I can't remember them anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Ephesians 2. Ephesians is the New Testament, isn't it? <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, here's the key which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know that Jesus wasn't the only one that was planned from the beginning of time? You were too. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. You are here for a specific purpose. And someday when you leave here, you will be restored to, I'm not saying people have pre-existence. I don't believe that. But I believe that people are planned by God and you will be fulfilled in that relationship for which you were planned. But while you are down here, you will walk in those good works that God has planned from the beginning of time. Now, I've got one more thing to say and then I'm going to sit down. Some of you are walking out of here today into the, some of the toughest stuff you've ever had to face. I, and, 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 and you are coming to a stage in your life where you've just never had to deal with this before. And you're wondering, you know, I wonder if God's in this. <laughs> God's in this. I want to tell you, if, if, he, if he didn't bring you to church for any other reason this morning, he brought you here to tell you this. He's in this. He's with you. Those of you who know him. Those of you who don't know him, yeah, you know him. <laughs> Come on, quit. What are you, what are you stalling for here? I, I, I love, I love the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, um, benediction that Donald Gray Barnhouse, distinguished senior pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, decades ago, this man of God, this brilliant scholar, used to, used to benedict his people like this. God let those servants of yours depart in peace. And for those people who don't know you yet, keep them miserable until they do. <laughs> he would always say that. You know why he said that? Not out of unkindness, but because people who don't know Jesus Christ really are at a very basic place, miserable. They're hungry, they're thirsty, because they were created for Jesus Christ. And any other peace you try to find will go away. Every other satisfaction you try to have will ex itself become a hunger.
And so, come to know Jesus. That's why you're still here. Or if you already know him, you're here so that other people can come to know Jesus. But whatever you're walking into, if you know God, God's walking into it with you. Pray with me. God, thanks for this time. Thanks for the wonderful privilege of prayer that allows us to exchange eternal life, to build a relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would not only give us on a continual basis as we seek you, that eternal life, but you would use our words, whatever they are, as we speak our prayers, to perform the works that you have in mind. Lord, glorify yourself in us. We pray just like Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to uh, sing our benediction together this morning, this afternoon. But before we do that, uh, let me tell you, we have some folks who are down here who will be down here on the right side of the room to pray. If you'd like to pray about anything at all in your life, they're here to pray with you. If you're among those who are miserable this morning because you don't know Christ and you want to know him personally, you can today. And these folks would uh, just be honored to pray with you as you trust Christ, as you receive his grace that he gives to us. And then also some of our elders will be over here on the left side of the room. If you'd like to be uh, prayed over for physical healing, they're here to do just that with you. But as we go from this time, we want to uh, be aware of what Joel has been telling us to do, how we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. St. Augustine wrote a long time ago that we need to be careful of praying to Christ with our mouths, but remaining mute in our lives. And so this little benediction song that we're going to sing is for us to go from here, asking God to guide our steps. You sing it with us if you know it and if you can.